We begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present. We extend our respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hi guys, welcome to Bumps and Besties, a podcast about navigating the journey to motherhood through fertility struggles, friendship and all the bumps along the way. I'm your host Lexi, along with my co-host and bestie. Hi, I'm Amy. Our podcast is here to explore the often tricky, usually emotional path to motherhood through the lens of two besties on two different paths. Laugh with us, cry with us, and know wherever you're at on your journey, you're never alone because your besties are here and we have your back. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bumps and Besties. Good morning, welcome back. We're here after a little break. Yeah, sorry guys, we had some technical issues. But we're here, we're back. Our software is hopefully working for you all today, so fingers crossed for no delays. Yeah, look, if this episode gets deleted as well, oh, I'm going to be very angry. I've been fighting with our pod uh, program for several weeks now, so hopefully everything's back online and we will not have to go through that again. Yeah. How's your week been? My week's been good. It has been, I'm sort of in between um, bookings at the moment. So I sort of had all of my bookings at the beginning of the month and now I have all this, I'm going to say free time. (laughs) (laughs) I've got just mum time, which has been really nice. So got down to the beach a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, which has been lovely and just enjoying that beautiful Gold Coast winter weather. How is this winter? Like I'm literally in a t-shirt and a skirt. It's beautiful. No, I love it. All right. I'm sure everyone is dying to hear because we've left everyone on red for several weeks. (laughs) Amy, please fill in everyone. Tell us what's going on. So I am nine weeks pregnant as of today. So, so it's been a bit up and down, but the last week or so has been on track. So um, as seems to be my case, nothing ever goes completely smoothly. So a couple of weeks ago, we did have some bleeding and an emergency hospital visit and just things not going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but baby is still okay. Everything's tracking along fine. Um, so my bleeding turned out to be what they call a perigestation bleed was it like a hematoma yeah. a very small one not uncommon no very very common um people like my uh sonographer who i see at the moment who said like a good 25 to 30 percent of pregnancy she yeah, sees like has that. them like they're there all the time often they don't even say anything if they see them and they're small mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are so common um but obviously i knew it was there because i started bleeding yeah um so yeah so but besides that baby is fine the bleed just kind of moves around um so you know if i start spotting or bleeding not to panic Mm -hmm, because it's likely until it clears up and goes away um but yeah overall feeling pretty good so Mm -hmm. it was just around this point or a few days earlier that we had the first miscarriage Mm. so it has been a week um i'm an anxious person as it is we know this Um, I was medicated for it a few years ago, came off that because A, I felt like a zombie and B, it wasn't great for pregnancy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just decided I could manage. And I do tend to manage relatively well. Like yeah. between my acupuncture and my mindfulness, I'm generally okay in saying that. I'm not going to say I'm perfect and everyone should go off their anxiety meds because I think my way of managing is just not put myself in uncomfortable positions. Mm, I just mm. don't do anything that I'm yeah. not really uncomfortable with. Um, but yesterday I woke up in 
a state of just sobbing, crying, could not get my shit together. Yeah. Just wasn't happy. Um, so I'd had a scan on Monday and we are currently doing weekly scans. But they said, if you need anything, we've got mm-hmm, a midwife, mm-hmm. we've got a nurse, we've got maternal fetal medicine doctors, yeah. like, just call us. And is that through your IVF clinic or is no, it No, so this is a different clinic that my GP recommended. So with the IVF process, usually around seven weeks, you graduate from their clinic. So mm-hmm. basically once you've got a viable pregnancy, mm-hmm. they've seen a fetal pole and a heartbeat, they're like, yay, congratulations, off you go back to your GP. Yeah, right. From there, you can either choose to go private and find an OB or you yep. can go through your GP <coughs> Sorry, and find a medicine team that you're happy with. Yeah. So she's referred me to a clinic that have maternal fetal medicine specialists. Mm-hmm. They've got sonographers. They've got midwives. So my GP will do most of my care and then she, I guess, will refer to them when we need to yeah. or if I need to have an OB visit. So they were great. They were like, if you need anything, just ring us. Like, we've got the midwives here. We're always happy to chat. So I woke up yesterday and I rang them and I was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I'm not bleeding. I'm not in any pain. Mm-hmm. There's nothing actually wrong. I just cannot stop crying. I'm in yes. this state of anxiety that was just, I knew I was spiraling. And I yeah. knew I wasn't going to get through till next Monday yeah. in the state that I was in. Yeah. So that- and understandable given, yeah. like, the timing of everything. I think maybe you've even got, like, a little PTSD. Yeah leftover from the last time even though it was quite a long time ago like everything in pregnancy feels like you're tracked by a certain date and certain time points as checklists and that's exactly what they said to me like you may not have expected it to come on but our brains are very powerful and sometimes scary things and they can do a lot so it was pretty much that exact gestation that we had the first miscarriage so they're like you know what you really worked up just come on in we'll do a scan we'll check your blood pressure and stuff and we'll see how you're going yeah um, walked in, she did my blood pressure, and she went, oh, okay, yeah, that's a bit high. Like, yeah. you need to calm down. Like, you're in a state of panic. Um, but we did the scan, and baby's fine. It was moving around. It yeah. was having the time of its life. And she was like, it's just your brain and your anxiety and your trauma just all taking yeah. it out of you today. Today I feel a lot better. Um, I still do cry at the drop of a hat. Weather was horrible yesterday. Let's just blame the clouds. Yeah, the overcast day. Yeah. <laughs> But for now, everything is mostly on track. So we do still have a few weeks of testing and monitoring before we're kind of over the hump. But we, at this point, we, we did get further in our first pregnancy before I miscarried. But, but not with the scare, like growth on no, track, No, right? so the growth of the baby at that point had slowed right down. Yeah. So although we got further, the baby was measuring smaller. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, the baby is measuring exactly where it should be and we there's no it. complications with it. So yeah. It all looks like it's doing what it should for now. So, yeah. And you're on different medication now to the last. Yeah. So one. I am on a few different things. So I just tried everything this time. I was like, yeah. you know, I made my husband completely stop drinking and everything before. Yeah. I was like, we're not even gonna, you know, it's not yeah. gonna be a one beer a night kind of thing. Yeah. Like you are done. Like, yeah, lady, <laughs> take this part of the podcast to your husbands if you are having issues with convincing them that they need to stop drinking just try it just once because at the end of the day once you're pregnant you have to stop drinking for months and they can do it for one it was just just that one IVF cycle I just wanted to it was meant to be our last IVF cycle of collections Mm. because we were meant to get more than we did which is a whole nother story if you go back to that um but I was like if this is going to be our last one we're going to throw everything we've got at it so I made him look made him take his male vitamins like yeah. i was like we are doing this we're doing it properly yeah um i tried oh what do you call it a lymphatic drainage oh right yeah 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 so i tried that this time because i 
I'd known about it for a while and I had planned on doing it eventually for um, my bloating and my PCOS, but it was only that the girl who um, I follow who has one here on the Gold Coast actually put up a post on her Instagram about how it can help with IVF. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. And she's like, yeah, you know, you're taking so many medications, Mm. like the toxins do build up so we can help you get rid of those. I was like, well, that does make sense. Um, Then we're on some different medicine from the clinic. So I'm on a few blood thinners. It's hard because with the whole early pregnancy thing and the cause of miscarriage generally they come back unexplained Mm. unless you can test for a genetic reason Mm -hmm. there's a lot of unexplained miscarriage so there's a thought that sometimes your blood clots too much and that stops the oxygen getting to the baby and that's what can cause miscarriage not something that they're going to test for ordinarily not really yeah so we decided this time to also put me on a blood thinner so that hopefully if i I, I won't clot then and yeah. that won't and it seems to be working so fantastic at the moment blood is flowing i can it's really weird for me because i can see the blood actually like going through the cord and into the baby on the scans and yeah. it's like so blowing my mind um but yeah so we are on track we are slowly getting more excited my husband has freaked out a couple of times mm-hmm. like this is actually happening because now it looks like a baby it doesn't yeah. look like a kidney bean no like, it's exactly. got limbs and stuff yeah. so it's got its little nubs yeah moving around it looked like a small human in there so i came home the other day after my monday scan with a video and he was like oh my god that that's actually a little human i was like yes yes it is see it so we are tracking relatively well for the moment that's so exciting yes well we've got a bit of an interesting episode for you guys this week and it actually has come about because you had your first horror story thrown at you from a friend yes well we have so to put it in perspective we wanted to go to taylor swift yes. and i am due to be roughly three weeks postpartum at that point um we've since decided that i'm kidding myself if i think i can leave a three-week-old baby but yeah i mean especially because it's not just like you're leaving her at the hotel for a couple of hours while we go you were like planning on leaving her and him overnight with my overnight in another state so i was like i'm just sure about this but so i told my husband about it i was like look i want to go to taylor swift you know you'll be applying for one night with the baby and he was like i don't think i will be he's like maybe my parents can come and help and i was like yep that's fine i'm going to taylor swift and he was talking to a friend about it and his friend was like well she has a c-section there's no way she's going anywhere and told us this horror story about his partner who had had this long labor that then ended in a c-section and how you know her mobility and stuff and just this I just painted this picture of a cesarean that was terrifying mm. and my husband was like what why and like so he got worked up and then i was like oh my god so i started to freak out and i was like no hang on a second i was like lexi had one i did and lexi loved her c-section i did and i i'm sure there's other people out there who've got good experiences because you only ever get the bad stuff of course yeah people, and like be prepared as soon as people find out you're pregnant they only want to tell you the worst things yeah and then also tell you you're huge so <laughs> prep yourself in for that right. but it was an interesting chat because i think that there is probably a bit of a preconceived notion that having a c-section is altogether horrible Mm. and traumatic and will make you never want to have another baby yeah and i just think that's so wrong yeah and so we have some of you guys about it too and a lot of you guys had great experiences and loved it so yeah we figured lex will go through hers a little bit again and just touch base about you know we've captained it before but how she enjoyed it and then we've got a few other people that we've heard from that we're gonna um, play some voice notes and read your story about and just give you some perspectives that hopefully if you are 
having a C-section or you end yeah. up having a C-section because it's out of your control a lot of the time. Yeah, it exactly. puts you a bit at ease. Cause, yeah. And hopefully it puts me a bit at ease. So <laughs> if I am in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, my experience was a good experience, but I had to have a C-section because of a medical reason. And I think a lot of people do end up in that situation. So I can only kind of come at this from an Australian healthcare perspective because we live in Australia. I don't know what it's like in other countries. Mm-hmm. In where we live as well on the Gold Coast. So we have good small private hospitals and a few two sort of like, well, one really large public hospital and then another couple of smaller public hospitals. Mm -hmm. So I was going through the private system. It's not advised where we live and with the team that I'd picked as my healthcare professionals to try and have a natural birth with a fully frank breech baby. So that effectively meant that instead of baby being head down, he was bummed down and his feet were stuck in front of his face. So he couldn't actually bend his legs down to be able to turn himself. Mm -hmm. So we were quite aware of that, I think from about 25 weeks that he was effectively stuck and he could continue to move and continue to grow as per normal. There was no issue with that, but I had originally planned on having a vaginal birth with, um, sort of like laboring in the bath and then moving forward that way. That was kind of like my birth plan Mm -hmm. as it had stood. And then we had a snag and they said, well, you've got placenta previa, which means that my placenta was growing over the opening of the cervix. So the baby effectively can't get out because there's a, an organ growing over that exit (laughs) that eventually moved out of the way. And then we moved closer and closer to the date and we just kind of kept it open. And she was like, look, if you know, um, you go into labor and baby has moved, then that's fine. We're more than happy for you to progress through a normal labor, but we will put you in for an elective C-section at 30 week, uh, 38 weeks. And I think it was supposed to be 38 and six. And I went into labor at 38 and four. <laughs> um, so my elective C-section was supposed to happen on the Friday morning, first up, first cab off the rank. And I went into labor very late on Wednesday night and then Ted was here very early on Thursday morning. So I had already prepped myself mentally to be having that C-section. And honestly, I was really scared when I found out that I had to have a C-section. Like when my OB had told me weeks earlier, this is what, you know, we're kind of planning and we're going to book you into theater and all the rest of it. Like if he doesn't move, this is unfortunately what we're going to have to do. She's like, it's always your choice because it's your pregnancy, but having a breech birth in Australia with a team that is not used to having to give birth naturally, vaginally to a breech baby is not the safest option. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, at the end of the day, you're the mum, you make the call, but it's not recommended. Yeah. And look, I didn't go and see a private OB to then ignore her. 
pay all that money to go, mm, I don't actually trust it. Oh, I feel like you're do. wrong, even though you've been delivering like yeah. 30 years worth of babies. Mm. So I was like, okay, that seems fair and fine to me. And I actually remember reaching out to my Instagram community. And again, I'll just preface this. I'm not an Instagram girly. I just, they're people I went to school or uni with, normal people. <laughs> and I just put it out there and I said, has anybody had a C-section? Because I've just found out I have to have one and now I'm terrified. Because I had all my birth plan and I had my playlist and I was like, this is what I'm going to do in the bath and this is what I'm going to wear. Like, had it all planned out and then finding out I have to have a C-section, I was like, oh, this has just ruined everything. How am I going to do this? And my inbox was flooded with people being like, I had a C-section. This was my experience. I had to have it for this medical reason. I had to have it for this reason. I had to labor for 40 hours and then my baby got cut out of me. Like, there were so many people and I was like, what? Mm. And then even after I found out like so many people in my mother's groups, like the most, the people who had had the most traumatic births had had natural births. And I was like, okay, so maybe this wasn't so bad because my experience was really, really similar to a lot of the listeners that you're going to hear soon. Very similar stories in terms of like for a medical reason, they were booked in, even if they labored beforehand or their waters broke beforehand, which is what happened to me they still had like a really smooth transition with the actual c-section and then like the recovery for me was quite good as well Mm. so there is a whole episode it's episode two ted's arrival if you want to hear in detail but effectively went into labor on the wednesday night waters broke popped into the car went off to the hospital had my baby a couple of hours later they let me labor for a little bit and then when the construct the contractions came on too strong they were like you need to get prepped for theater my team was incredible they played our playlist my husband was with me the whole time i got to have ted as soon as he was like out and bundled they pulled him over to me he was with me in recovery anytime he was like they you know took him out and checked him over and all the rest of it but it was a beautiful experience like the only thing that was difficult was I wasn't able to feed him straight away but that was on me not anything to do with any other like anything particularly linked to the c-section I have really low blood pressure so I like struggled after birth to stabilize my blood pressure. So it took me a little bit Mm -hmm. longer in recovery, but he was with me the whole time. Yeah. So really like there wasn't, I wouldn't think that there's anything particularly different that I missed out on. And like, sometimes I do think about, I'm like, you know, I never got to go through that experience of giving birth, but also I'm like, I remember how tired I was as it was. And I was like, oh my God, if I'd literally just like had to labor for any longer than I had, like if I'd had one of these marathon 24 hour labors, I would be absolutely wrecked. Like I feel like I was in a great position because I still had all my energy and, you know, I got up and walked like in the morning. So I'd had him just a bit after midnight and then by like seven or eight o'clock they're bringing me food and I got to get up and that night I got to have a shower like I was out walking with our dog and our pram like I don't know eight days after Not surgery to go to the bathroom <laughs> no I could go to the bathroom everything was fine I think that's the other thing that I found really easy is that the wound care is so easy for that mm-hmm. because it's not an area that you're using yeah it's not getting dirty you're not no there's no 
fronts or backs being used mm -hmm. so it was like an easy spot to keep the wound clean because it mine's really low and surprisingly that quite a lot smaller than you probably expect it to be but because of where it was like it just healed really well and even now like a year and a bit on what ted's 14 months now like my scars already super faded yeah so for me i once again with this pregnancy i've got placenta previa it'll probably move out of the way but i'm tossing up that i'm probably still going to have a c-section yeah like i know how to recover from a c-section i was up walking in eight days like well not i was on a walk like a couple of kilometers around our block eight days after i'd had surgery yeah like the worst thing for me was coming off the pain meds and it was because i'd forgotten to take them when we got home <laughs> and i felt a bit sick afterwards so I mean, if I'd had a vaginal birth, there's nothing to say that I wouldn't have needed those anyway because if you have a second or a third degree tear, which yeah. is super, super common, or worse, an episiotomy, mm. then you're still going to be on pain meds anyway. Yeah. And then you've got the extra added stress of, like, keeping that wound particularly clean, yeah. which is really hard. And even if you have a C-section, you still bleed for quite a while afterwards as your uterus contracts and everything goes back to normal. So there's not just, you know feces and urine there's also blood in the way so yep. there's a lot down there that can unfortunately infect anything yep. so you do have to be careful either way I think so I just want to say like I had a great experience I had a lot of control over my situation my team were amazing they talked us through the whole thing they photographed the whole thing and it probably sounds really weird but I feel like the photos I have of the C-section, I'm more comfortable to like show and to share with people rather than if I was sitting naked in a bath. Well, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to show a photo of a baby being lifted out of your tummy than a baby being pulled out of your vagina. Like you're not going to yeah, want to publicize those No, photos. exactly. So I think like I still feel like I got all of the beautiful experience of giving birth because, I mean, it wasn't not trauma to my body it still was like you know they got a lot of layers and blah 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 so I still feel like I went through a trial to get him to be here yeah. I don't feel like oh I'm a failed mum because I didn't push him out if anything I'm like you know what if he decides that he likes boys in the future he'll be a platinum gay so <laughs> I think really I've done him a, a service by having him by a c-section <laughs> and you made what you think is a safe decision for your baby I mean yourself. yes and that as you said the doctors we so we did a double embryo transfer for this pregnancy and so there was the possibility mm. it could have been twins and they said to me from the get-go if it's a twin pregnancy or if you have a breach there is going to be a firm yeah. we do not recommend any kind of vaginal birth for these yeah. things because as you said our australian doctors they're wonderful but they're not trained for these complex scenarios and they just want to do the whatever safest exactly and that's the thing i think when you're having these conversations you have to have a look at the medical intervention along with the privilege like i'm sure that there would be people in developing countries that if you were like oh you know in our country we get to choose if we want to have an elective c-section if there's a complication with our birth rather than traumatizing and possibly having the mother or the baby lose their life mm. like it, it's just such a 
weird conversation that comes with so much privilege to be like, we have that as an option. It's not that you're trying to give birth in the middle of nowhere and there's no medical team around to help. So if something goes wrong, you're a bit screwed. Like we have so much help on hand. So at the end of the day, obviously it's always going to be your decision, but we're coming at this from a lens of like, let's look at the positives of C-sections because I was terrified and I want to put other people's minds at ease if they have found out for whatever reason that they have to have it so we're also going to have a few voice notes come in from some of our listeners thank you to everyone who sent in their stories because it means so much to us that you guys trust us with your experiences and that you want to share them so Mm -hmm. this is our first recording from our listener claire after having a pretty traumatic emergency cesarean with my first child, it was really, really nice to have an elective cesarean with my second. I felt calm, at ease, prepared. And there were things that I didn't get with an emergency cesarean that with my elective cesarean, I was able to advocate for and get like skin to skin straight away. She was in recovery with me the whole time. We were able to establish breastfeeding within 20 minutes of her being born, which was pretty amazing. And it felt liberating having the choice for an elective cesarean as well. Like it was in my hands how I gave birth. And it was nice the night before, the excitement, going to bed knowing that in the morning I would have another new. So thank you, Claire, for sending that in. I think that it's really special to have that situation where the fact you do get to to have a choice, right? And, like, that's the thing that we're also coming at this from a lens of, like, labouring for 40 hours and then having to have a C-section will probably make you feel like the C-section is terrible. But in reality, like, it's probably the fact you've been contracting and pushing and and if you're being told you have to have one or you're choosing to have one earlier than that then it's going to be a very different scenario yeah and i just think like quite often in the situations where you end up having like an emergency c-section it's probably more linked to the fact that you've just had to go through such a huge labor more so than the fact that you've then had to have surgery Mm -hmm. and obviously if it's a rush as well that's going to complicate everything even more, especially if, say, they've let you labour for so long and long, long, and it's not going well, and then the baby gets into distress. Yeah. Because then it's a bit of a lights and sirens situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're having an elective or it was, like, myself or the um, next person that we're going to talk about, it was an emergency C-section, but it wasn't really an emergency. It was, like... This so is- it's an emergency in terms of it wasn't your planned date, but you exactly. weren't in any danger, really. Yeah, exactly. So this one has come in from our friend Courtney from Over the Ditch. So this is really interesting to hear from a perspective of someone who went through the New Zealand health system. Hey, guys, it's cool. Happy to share my C-section experience with you. So I originally wanted to have a vaginal birth, but it just wasn't the case. Um, When I was 37 weeks pregnant, I was in quite a bad car crash, um, which was traumatic in itself. itself. Um, And I had severely bruised ribs um, and couldn't, like, breathe properly. 
I couldn't deep breathe. So um, paired with that and the fact that I was having gross scans because my wee boy was quite large at about 37 and a half weeks. I had a gross scan and they said he's already measuring 10 pounds. So paired between having a large baby and the fact that I was injured from the car crash, we, I was scheduled in for a C-section. So I was happy with that and I was like, goodness me, I'm not going to be able to give birth because I can't breathe or deep breathe properly. So that was a weight off my shoulders. So my cesarean was booked for the Monday. I was third off the rank um, and, I, yeah, I was happy with that. Then it was, so Monday the 9th of May um, and then the Sunday the 8th of May was Mother's Day. So we had a really busy day planned. Um, we, like, woke up and... We had, um, like, my mum, Tim's mum, and my stepmom that we all had to go and see, like, breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. So it was going to be pretty hectic. So I got up, and it was um, 7.30 in the morning, and my water's broke. Quite similar to your story, actually, Lexi, when, when I heard on one of your podcasts, your story is very similar to your story. So it was the day before my cesarean was actually booked in for that my water's broke. So um, my midwife was away. Um, in New Zealand, you have a allocated midwife that you can choose, so it's a bit different to us. Um, so then um, I knew my midwife was away, so I messaged like the midwife. She told me that I needed to. She called the hospital and said, "There's a team in a theatre ready. You need to get to hospital and don't eat or drink anything." So pretty much went to hospital. Um, I think by and it was like nine o'clock, got there, or nine, nine thirty, got there, and then they just started the anaesthetist come in, or I met, my, I met the midwife for the first time, the anaesthetist come in, I met the hospital midwives, chatting with the anaesthetist. Um, I think I went into surgery like 11.30, and it was great. I was really shocked at how many people were in the room. There was probably like, I don't know, 15 people in the room at the time, and that was quite overwhelming I guess with how many people were in there but I walked in there and they were like this is an emergency c-section but we're not in an emergency this is real chill we're so happy we can relax about it um and then I was on CTG monitoring prior so like I'm going into surgery like so by the time I got to the hospital and I was on I was being monitored and they're like baby's totally fine baby's happy in there um, it's not an emergency, so we can just kind of, um, with emergency teams, that's so nice that we can just take our time. So they were like, what music do you want? Um, and it was quite funny because my anaesthetist was, had red hair and he was English and he was like youngish. And so he reminded me of Ed Sheeran. So I love Ed Sheeran. So I was like, oh yeah, can we just play some Ed Sheeran music? That would be cool. So they put Ed Sheeran on, come over. I was singing, my husband was singing, the doctors, all the nurses are singing. It was just a good time. I loved it. Um, yeah, so I had an overall pretty, like, pretty good experience with my cesarean, and I would, I would do it again. Oh, thanks for that, Court. That's a beautiful story. Amy, we've got one from an old friend of yours. Yes, Do you want to read that out for us? Yes, this one that Katie has sent through. I will read that one out to you guys. So 
She writes, we had previously lost a baby before I came pregnant with my son. When I gave birth, the placenta wouldn't detach and after lots of forceful attempts to remove it, I was rushed to surgery. Fast forward to being pregnant with my son, I discovered I had a low-lying placenta. My OB said it would likely move and explain the risks. I asked if I could book a C-section early because of my anxiety around the placenta and the issues I had the last time. My OB was amazing and said anything I wanted. We booked it in for 38 weeks when I was only 20 with the option to change my mind at any time. My C-section was calm and positive and I felt so empowered throughout the whole experience. My baby stayed with me and so did my husband while I went to recovery and I got immediate skin to skin. I was walking the next day. Um, my placenta was actually still low when I gave birth, so I wouldn't have been able to have a natural birth anyway. So, again, like, she's still got the skin to skin. Yeah. She's still got those experiences that I think yeah. is a big worry for some people that yeah. they might miss out on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that all kind of comes around to having your birth plan or your birth preferences with you. So Ash and I kind of done up our list of preferences and it was living in our hospital bag like a week before we went in so obviously because we knew we were going to have a scheduled c-section we were like okay well these are still all the things that I, we would like to try and then because of when I went into labor and then went into the c-section because it wasn't lights and sirens emergency because I'd only been laboring for like two hours they were still able to do all the things that we needed mm -hmm. so I still got my music and I still got my skin to skin and all of those sorts of things and because Ted was diagnosed when he was born with severe hip dysplasia he had to be bundled quite tight so I didn't get that like naked baby on chest feeling but if I delivered him via vaginal birth I still wouldn't have either because yeah. it was his hips were so unstable he ha pretty much had to be wrapped yeah so that we didn't disrupt them or hurt him or dislocate them at all yeah like hip that was just always inevitable because of his condition. Yeah. So nothing there would have changed for us. Yeah. So if you do have to have a C-section, just make sure you've got your preferences with you guys because a lot of the time the medical team can still abide by them and still give you everything that you need so you feel like you're in control and your birth is still the way that you want it to be. And I love how Katie and Claire both said they still felt empowered, like they yes. got to make that choice. And yeah. It you know, it was a positive experience in that form. Yeah, absolutely. So our last one is from listener Celia. So she is also an Aussie mummy. So this is her experience in um, a Brisbane hospital. So I didn't have a planned C-section. Um, I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes like right at the end of that window where they test or like actually I think it had just passed... I think by the time I saw my OB, it was like 30 weeks and they, they um, I was just in that little um, bracket. So I think I got 5.1 and if you're above a 5, then think you have it. Um, that's kind of relevant because it kind of dictated how, like what my options that were presented to me around birth were, which now having been through it all um, and like understanding it more, like I could have just been like, nah, back off. But, you know, I was new to the whole thing. So I got told after that, it's like, well, you can either be induced or you can have a C-section. And I think in my brain, I was just sort of like, okay, that's if the baby doesn't decide to just show up, right? <laughs> My OB and I were kind of on different pages about that. 
um, I sort of took it as like a suggestion, not as um, this is how you're going to have your baby delivered. And it wasn't until like, I think it was 30, it was going crazy, like 36 weeks when the midwife mentioned to me that, oh yeah, well, you'll be induced at 38 weeks. And I was like, saw my OB and was like, what the hell? I didn't realise that would be like how soon it would be happening. And then she explained like, yeah, there's just risks with going like further along when gestational diabetes is at play. And so I reluctantly agreed to try induction. Um, and well, I'd done a hypnobirthing class as well and I'd learned like a bit about all that side of things and like wasn't really keen but I think at this point I was like I realized now I was quite anxious about it all and I don't think I was really fully aware of how anxious I was and I just thought I felt like I should go along with what my doctor was telling me um but now that I've been through it I'm like oh, I just could have been like yeah I'm good I'm just gonna wait this out <laughs> so I know that for round two happened um we went to the hospital on a friday night um and they did the gel thing on me and i don't know why but like i found any like touch after the gel thing just to be excruciatingly painful um so like when they did the whatchamacallits when they stick your hand, their hand up you. <laughs> What's the proper no Like, they examine you, I guess. Um, like, that, I was, like, crying from a doctor doing that just to check how if I was dilating at all. Um, so they did that one on the Friday night, and um, I hadn't dilated at all after a few hours. And then they checked me in the morning, and um, I'd had contractions overnight, like... I think I was having three every 10 minutes, so I didn't really sleep at all that night. And they're all like, yeah, I wasn't ready to go in the morning. Uh, they said they do the gel again. Uh, and they're like, 90% of the time, once women have their second application of the gel, they, like, it kickstarts labor and, like, we're able to break your waters. And I was like, okay, cool. So Saturday morning, I was really tired because, yeah, the contractions had kept me up, but I, my head was in the game. I was like, cool, this baby's coming. I'm having this baby. <laughs> um... So my contractions had died down by the morning. The gel happened again, another really painful examination. Then the contractions went like all day. Um, and, but still only ever got to like three every 10 minutes, which I think it needs to be four for them to consider it like you're going into active labor. And then I think I had a few, I, it's really blurry now. It's funny how it wasn't all that long ago, but it just the memory kind of disappears. Um, you know, I was doing all the things around the hospital room. Like I was really ready for it. And then it just fizzled out again. Like the contractions died off and it was midnight. Um, by the time I, OB came in to have like an I think this is like the fourth examination she'd done and by this point I was just like I think they gave me gas just to do the examination I don't know if I was like allergic to something in the the stuff they put on you or the gel um but yeah like I had to have gas just to like calm myself for them to be able to to check me out I was not um 
was not dilated one bit. <laughs> and Bub was fine. They kept telling me, like, oh, she's just so happy in there. And I'm like, good for her, good for her. Um, my midwife at that point, because I've changed over the, the those few from the Friday to Saturday, um, she had said, like, oh, look, like, Glenda, that's my OB, she's really good at breaking waters, like, she could probably do it. <laughs> I was like, pardon? What do you mean? You're going to, like, this? I think I was maybe a centimetre. Um, they're like, you're going to stick that little hook thing up me and try and break my waters when my body's clearly like, no, thank you, not ready for this. Yeah, the next, I think it, yeah, it was around midnight, Glinda came in, she tried to talk me into trying again in the morning, and I was like, what the fuck, man, I am so tired, <laughs> and you guys just keep seeming to want to, like, pressure me into making my body do something that I, it's giving a pretty clear message it doesn't want to do, um, and I think, like, they were suggesting the balloon thing, but they at the MARTA they had this whole thing about like they don't generally like doing that for some reason and at that point I was just like nah cut her out <laughs> I'm like I'm not dicking around with this induction stuff anymore um, and because I think I'd been so like set on that, that day like my mind had really kicked into gear of like we're having this baby today I was just like no this is going to be a, she's, she's coming home with us this weekend this is not going to be a leave and come back in a few days that they gave me they said you know we can try again in the morning and try a different induction method you can go home and come back in a few days and we'll start the process again and I was like that all sounds terrible no <laughs> so um they said have a few hours sleep wake up in the morning and then you can decide but I'd already kind of decided um but yeah so when they came in at like 5 a.m or whatever I was like prep me for theatre please um and yeah it was so quick um it was like nine o'clock I think we went in at 8 30 and we're out by nine o'clock or she was out by nine o'clock um the whole like the room the way everyone is so coordinated I was like wow this is like all very fine-tuned like everyone knows their place and like everyone there was lovely um felt like really supported in the room and everyone was just really chill they were chatting about their weekend they were making jokes about my abs as they were cutting into them and um yeah then when she came out it was just like very euphoric as like i'm sure it probably was for that is it in any birth situation once you actually see your baby um and hear your baby and yeah, I just remember being, like, in this weird state of just, like, complete awe, and I didn't really care that I was cut open. <laughs> my husband was, like, having a bit of a hard time seeing me cut open with my guts everywhere, but I didn't have to see that, so... <laughs> um, yeah, and then we had a bit of a rocky, like, initial 24 hours because she had some fluid on her lungs when she was first born. Um, but as for the actual birth, I remember being like, wow, I don't, I don't feel like I was cheated out of anything, you know? Yeah, I don't feel like I missed anything because I felt like just seeing her come out, having her, like, put on my chest. I, I don't know. I never, I never felt like I was cheated out of anything, which is something that I'd heard a lot when people have been in situations where they've had to go for a C-section. Um, I think because I was just so set on, like, I want to see my baby. I've been preparing now, like, mentally, that 
I have taken my baby home today. <laughs> yeah, but I have this picture that I'll send to you of um, Alba being, like, the nurse took it, and I was just like, you're an amazing birth photographer. You probably do this every day, though. Uh, Alba's coming out of me, and Michael's got his hand on my head, and I've got this tear running down my face, and, like, I look at that picture, and I just cry when I look at it, because I'm just like, that, that, like, is such a beautiful moment to me, and, yeah, I was really happy. Um, I still, like, I even now I'm getting goosebumps and, like, just thinking about, like, that picture. <laughs> When I was, like, 20, and, you know, when you talk about, like, having babies or whatever with your girlfriends, I had always been like, oh, elective C-section for me. I don't even want to deal with it. Um, and then when I actually got pregnant and started learning about birth and the body and all that stuff, I was way more interested in, like, the natural birth route. Um, so I thought it was kind of funny that in the end I was just like, nah, cut her out, get her out. I'm done. <laughs> Um, which last time I was telling this story to a girlfriend, she was like, it's the ultimate lazy girl move, which maybe it was. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I love that both you and Celia were like, we didn't feel cheated out of anything. No. We didn't feel any less. Both Claire and Katie were like, we felt empowered. Not yeah. one of, like, you all made a point of commenting that you didn't feel any less because the baby was cut out rather than pushed yeah. out. And I think that's such a big thing. Again, we talked about a few episodes ago about that generation above us and what they yeah. think is normal and what's yeah. passed down to you, but you've still grown that baby from the yeah. minutes inside you. You've still gone through approximately nine months of all the things mm-hmm. and you still had to get it out. Like, however yeah. it got here safely, it's still here and you still birthed it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that probably C-section mamas do tend to advocate for our experience because there's just still so much stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Like even for Celia to say the last time that she told a friend, they said they they told her she took the, the lazy girl route. I'm like, no way. Like it's all work. And I don't think that prioritizing your baby's health and your own health should be considered lazy. Like my husband has this running joke that, you know, I'm really good at making a baby, but I'm not so good at having the baby. <laughs> so, yeah, his, his funny at the moment is just saying, oh, you know, like if we were living in medieval times, you would have died. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's Thanks, nice. Yeah. Medieval death birth, as he likes to refer to it as. But that's but the how point. But are we? That yeah. we don't have to have that anymore. No. You know, we have these options. And exactly. it's not a terrifying, traumatic thing because of the C-section itself. Yeah. Like anyone who's mentioned complications has been something that was probably going to be a complication in a vaginal birth anyway. Yes. But the C-sections themselves weren't a cause yeah. for trauma. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I have known mums that have had every experience I've known mums who have had the natural birth, hypnotherapy, no pain medication, no tearing, miracle birth. And then I know people who have labored for 40 hours, almost died, ended up under general anesthetic to have their baby delivered and they woke up two days later with their Mm. kid. Like there's such a spectrum of what can happen in that situation that it's like if you know that there's going to be a complication and you – get over this stigma that exists and just allow yourself to move along with the safest possible experience and not get hung up on whether it was a c-section or vaginal birth like no one cares you think your kid cares whether they came out one way or another i'm i really don't think that it makes a difference i've never like 
looked at a president of a country and been like, oh, they must have been a vaginal birth and exclusively <laughs> breastfed until three. Like, it matters. You feel like it matters so much in the moment, but it actually if your kid is healthy and happy and you are healthy and happy and make a good recovery, then there should be no other conversation about it. Yeah. And we don't have this conversation to sway anyone or convince anyone. It's just if you have to have one or you want to have one, trying to take some of that stigma and trauma away. Because I know that for me, like, my PCOS makes me insulin resistant, which makes me a high candidate for gestational diabetes, which, as was mentioned, makes you a high candidate for induction or a C-section. So it's a possibility and the fact that my pregnancies are high risk from day dot. So I think for me and for anyone else who's not had one, just to put that, you know, it's a good experience. It's a happy room full of people who know what they're doing and the atmosphere is great. and. Even in yours and Courtney's case where it was an emergency but not really an emergency, yeah. like, things you can, can still, still go smoothly and enjoy it. Yeah, and you can still advocate for yourself. You can still chat with your team about your birth preferences. Like there is so much that you can continue to ask for and move forward with in the way that you want to have your birth. Mm. It's not that you're at the hands of people and they've strapped you to a bed and they cut you open <laughs> like some kind of toad on a science experiment and in a biology lab of a lab of a high school. Like it's it's really not that bad. Mm. So if you have to have a C-section or you want to have a C-section, it is a okay. Well, thank you very much to everyone who shared, um, Katie, Courtney, Claire, Celia, all the C's today. Yeah, wow, we just realised that too. Thanks, ladies. Thank you very much. We appreciate you opening up to us and our listeners and trusting us with your stories. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully your stories can give some other listeners a little bit of peace of mind if they are looking. How are you feeling now that you've heard a few more positive? I'm relieved. Like, I had that one horror story about the stupid long labour and then going to the, and I was just like, oh, my God, this can't happen. But, yeah, knowing that it's something you can still plan for, you can Mm -hmm. still have your birth plan of sorts and you can still have a very positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love my birth. I wouldn't change it. So, And anyone who's pregnant or again has always said they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. It can't be that bad if you're all choosing to go for (laughs) round two. I think that's like the scary thing is before you've done it, one, you're like, oh, my God, I've heard the recovery. I was that person. Remember I was saying to Mm -hmm. you, like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to sleep on the couch downstairs because we were living in a two-story house at the time. And I was like, I'm not even going to be able to walk upstairs and I got home and I was like, oh, this is fine. And I was so shocked. Like you were, I think it was like the second day you were home from the hospital and I was sitting at your dining table holding Ted yeah. and you stood up and like, do you want to take your coffee? And I was like, she's walking around the house. I was like, no, no, like, but you it's were like, no, oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, fine. It's actually fine. Everyone's experience is different, but in the same token, like there's nothing to say that if I'd had a vaginal birth and tried to push out a Frank Breach baby and ended up like having my hips cracked open or something like that. You wouldn't have been that I wouldn't have been much worse off. So I just think like you've got to kind of roll with the punches Mm -hmm. and know that if you are told you need to have a C-section, it's not the end of the world. You will still be able to have a beautiful birth and move forward with it yeah all right well that's it for us this week guys sorry it is quite long but you know given that we have been away for a couple of weeks maybe this will make up for it yeah (laughs) 
you know what to do, guys. We are on all of your podcast platforms, so follow along so you get updates every week or every second week, depending on how things go. We are going to try and get back to our weekly podcast releases, but if we swap over to fortnightly, please just know it's because... We are two very busy pregnant ladies. Yes. (laughs) that's it exactly exactly come and find us on uh spotify apple and any other platform where you can find your podcast we're on socials as well just look up bumps and besties podcast on facebook instagram and tiktok see you next week thanks guys bye